Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. We would be able to learn from your word. We believe it is uh, alive and powerful, and I pray that it would change our lives because we're here tonight. And we thank you for it. In your son's name, amen. 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 Thank you, Colin. Appreciate that. Let me ask you to join me in the book of Psalms this evening and uh, Psalm 122, if you can find your way there. Um, Brother Chuck, if you turn me down just a little bit, please. Psalm 122. Now, I really do appreciate you folk making an effort to be here on Wednesday nights. I, I know Wednesdays are, you know, it's a work day for many, and uh, I know it can be a challenge, right? Uh, but you, you, you know as well as I, after you leave, you're so glad you came. Amen. Getting here is not easy all the time, you know. Um, I get it. But uh, the effort is worth it. And I try to keep that in mind. I know you work all day. I know you're busy week. And so that's why I want to keep the Wednesday night services alive. And I want to give you something that will feed you and encourage you, right? And so we're glad that you made the effort tonight. Before I forget, uh, join me as well. Put Brother Preacher Riddell on your prayer list. He's not been feeling great. He's been battling with some allergies, coughing, uh, his ears have been clogged, and he's been asked to preach this upcoming Sunday down at Port Norris for Father's Day, and so uh, pray for him, pray that God uses him, I know he's looking forward to that, right? And then also pray for Fred and Carol as they uh, have funeral on Friday, is it right, for, for Fred's uh, 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 stepmom who's going to be with the Lord, and uh, we'll be praying for you folks during that time. Alrighty. Got your Bibles open, Psalm 122. Now, this psalm fits into a section. Uh, many of you here last week, some of you weren't. We began this little series called Summer in the Psalms. And, you know, sometimes the psalms are placed into neat little categories for us, right? Uh, there are psalms of thanksgiving, there are psalms of praise, and, you know, on and on in the goes. Well, this psalm, Psalm 122, fits into a section that is known as the Ascent Psalms. Look, look, look at the inscription above Psalm 122. Uh, a song of degrees of David. You see that? That word degrees there means to ascend uh, or ascent. And so these, these Psalms, in fact, the section, the section of Psalms is Psalm 120 through 134. And uh, those Psalms were composed by David on purpose, deliberately. And what would happen is this, they would recite these psalms, literally sing these psalms as they would journey uh, mostly to Jerusalem. And, you know, and so as the Israelites would journey to, mostly for holy days like Passover or other feasts, Feast of Tabernacles and Feast of Pentecost, they would recite these psalms as they journeyed, you know. 
and, uh, and they're called ascent psalms because, as I said last week, no matter where you were in the, in the nation of Israel, when you would uh, head toward Jerusalem, you would need to ascend because Jerusalem is 2,800, about 2,800 feet above sea level. And so they would sing, they would sing these psalms as they journeyed. Did you ever go on a family road trip and you're in the car? You know, and it gets a little humdrum, and so you say, okay, let's sing. And you start to sing some of the songs maybe we sang tonight. Did you ever do that? No? Huh? No? Yeah, sure. Well, that's what, the, that's what the Israelites did as they journeyed, as they gathered themselves together, as they were headed toward uh, Jerusalem for Holy Day to worship the Lord, as they were ascending into the presence of the Lord, they would sing. And it's a good thing to sing. By the way, you don't need to have a good voice to sing. You just need to make a joyful noise. <laughs> and I know sometimes when we open our mouths to sing, it's a noise. But when you're singing from a happy heart, it's a joyful noise. Isn't that right? So look, look at Psalm 122, if you would. And let's just read, let's read the whole psalm. There's just a few verses there. You ready? The Bible says this. I'll read. You follow along. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalmist said, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, and to the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Notice verse 6. He says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren... And companion's sake, I will now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. And so the psalmist, now David, is composing a psalm. And you know what they often say about this psalm too? It's a psalm of arrival. Did you ever take that trip with your family? And you didn't even get out of your neighborhood? And the kids begin to ask that all-important question? Are we there yet? How many times have we heard that? Are we there that yet? And sometimes we say in response, not even close, right? I know sometimes you know what we're asking in these days, are we there yet? And the response is, no, but we're close. I was speaking to a staff member today, uh, a past staff member uh, down at BBC, and he's preaching tonight. And so I sent him off a text message and said, hey, praying for you as you preach tonight, lift him up. And he texts back and said, thank you. He said, I'm praying the rapture would occur. <laughs> I don't know if that's because he had a rough day or because he's got to preach. I'm not sure. And uh, I just text back and I said, well, good luck with that. You know? And, uh, but, you know, we're not there yet. But in this psalm, as the Israelites would maybe ask David, are we there yet? In Psalm 122, he would respond, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Now, if you were to, and we're not going to do all the uh, ascent psalms, we're not going to go from all, you know, 30-some of them. We might do a few more. But if you were to study this section of psalms, because I'm going to assume you're a student of the Word, right? If you were to study this section of psalms, there's a pattern, there's a sequence that kind of you'll, you'll, you'll kind of pick up. And here's what happens. It begins in Psalm 120. And it goes through Psalm 134. And it seems like every three psalms, they're kind of glumped together. 
And the psalmist begins, for example, we looked at this last week. In Psalm 120, he begins speaking about trouble. He's crying out to the Lord in distress. Do you remember that? Huh? And then in, verse, in, in Psalm 121, we studied this last week, you find the psalmist trusting God. So he goes from crying out to God in distress, there's trouble, to now he's trusting the Lord, he's gotten his focus right, maybe he's gotten his heart right, and he's trusting the Lord, and it leads to, in Psalm 122, we're going to see this here in just a little bit, the psalmist rejoicing in the Lord. So get this, and it's just like life, isn't it? Kind of life goes in circles. You know, we find ourselves in trouble. Man, we're reminded to trust God. As we begin to trust God, we begin to rejoice in the Lord. There's triumph. So there's trouble, trust, and triumph. And it just goes over and over. You know, if you looked at Psalm, look with me, because I don't think you believe me. You're looking at me strange. Look at Psalm 123. Unto thee lift I up my eyes, thou that dwellest in the heaven. Behold the eyes of the servants. Uh, look at verse number three. Have mercy upon us. See, he's in, have mercy upon us. He's in trouble. Look at Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel, if it hadn't been, he's trusting God. See, so he's in trouble. He's getting his fix on the Lord. And look at Psalm uh, 125. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. See, he's kind of like rejoicing. You see how that kind of pattern, you know, it's circular, right? He goes from trouble to trusting, praying, crying out to God. And as a result, now he's rejoicing in the Lord. Couldn't you stand up tonight and give a testimony and say, yay, you know, that same thing has happened in my life. I found myself in a hard time, in a difficult place, some trouble. I cried out unto the Lord. I put my faith and trust in him, just like we preached about last week, last Wednesday night. And as, as a result, I was able, I just seen God turn it around, and I was able to rejoice in him. Well, that's what the psalmist is trying to declare here in this section of Psalms, 120 through 134. But tonight I want to take a look at this Psalm here, 122, and just comment on a few things with you. I want you to notice the psalmist first and foremost, uh, go ahead with me, Brother Chuck, if you would. The psalmist first and foremost speaks to us about a place, a place. Now, I bought one of these fancy schmancy clickers, and guess what? It don't work. Man. So disappointed because I wanted to dazzle you tonight. It's even got it's even got a gizmo. You see that? But it won't work on the screen. Look, it'll work on the wall, but it won't work on the screen. So, sorry. That was a thousand dollars spent. Blew the budget on that one, Steve. But the psalmist begins to speak to us about a place here and historically. Look, look at verse one again. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Historically now, David is speaking uh, about Jerusalem. Uh, he's referring to Jerusalem. That's where, that's where the temple was. Have you ever seen a picture of what the Old Testament temple may have looked like? Uh, Brother Chuck, go ahead and flip that if you would. Now, I know this is hard for you to see. We're going to fix this in the future, get larger screens. But that may have been what the Old Testament temple, not tabernacle, but temple may have looked like. You know there was the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle was a portable structure. It was tent-like, correct? Uh, and, then, and then God gave permission to, not David, but to who? Solomon to build the temple. And Solomon, I mean to tell you, man, he, he held back nothing. 
You know, he just poured all the wealth of Israel into that, uh, that building. And that's where the Israelites would journey to worship the Lord. They would go there to worship and to sacrifice. And so David says in verse number one, I was glad. I was glad, man. I mean, to tell you, I was overwhelmed when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. He was referring to, to this place right here, you know. In fact, a modern-day picture, go ahead and flip that, Chuck, if you would. Uh, I, I know many of you haven't been there. Anybody in the room been there? Donna and I have been there a couple of times. Vanneman's been there. It's amazing, isn't it? That's kind of like a, a bird's-eye view. See the, the building with the gold dome? That's not Notre Dame. That's, that's, that's a mosque right now. That's Dome of the Rock. And right now, uh, that's where, look here. See where that building is built with that dome? That's where the temple was back in the day. In fact, I wish I could point this out to you. Let me go up right here and see if I can't help you with this because this is really neat. Uh, right here, right here is what is called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. You know what that is, right? That's where the Jews go, and they literally, all the ascetic Jews, they go, and they stand against that wall, and they kick the wall with their feet, and they're real close to it, and they pray for hours. And if you get real close to it, it's really neat. You take, you take prayer requests, and you put them on paper, and you fold them real, you know, real small, and you stick them in the crevices, in the cracks, you know, and you pray. And when you're there, I mean to tell you thousands, Joe, thousands upon thousands of little pieces of paper are in those cracks, you know. And there's Hasidic Jews, you know, they're the ones that are real orthodox with, you know, the whole, all the apparatus and everything else. They're there. And I promise you, this is how religious and how sincere they are that many of them, as they're there praying, listen to this, young people, as they're there praying, they literally release themselves of their bodily fluids. And as you get close to them, boy, they have a stench about them. Because they, are, they might be there six or seven hours praying against that western wall, and they'll just, they'll defecate, and they'll urinate right there while they're praying. Don and I were privileged. We got a chance to go right underneath here, right underneath here, you can go down into a tunnel that is, oh man, I forget how deep it was, but we were literally able to see the actual stones from Herod's temple. Thousands of years, you know, because, you know, the city of Jerusalem has been rebuilt several times because it's been conquered several times, you know. But when you go real, real deep down inside uh, in that tunnel and you got to have a tour to go through, it's got to be permitted to go through, uh, you're able to see the actual stones, huge stones that were there, the first layer from Herod's, the temple that was in Herod's day. It's amazing. And you know what we found down there? It's crazy, Colin. You know what we found down there? About four people. There were way down, I mean way down, dark as could be. The tour guide had flashlights and people had little lights on their foreheads, you know. And there was four ladies, four ladies, three ladies, four ladies down there permitted by the high priest to go down. And they would, they would bring their lunch and they would go down in that tunnel every day of their life and pray all day long. And you know what they're praying for? Any idea? The peace of Jerusalem. They're praying for a Messiah to come. They're praying for the Messiah. And I mean to tell you, just hours. They eat their lunch down there. Hours upon hours upon hours. It's unbelievable, 
you know? And that's pretty much what it looks like today. And the Bible says when Jesus comes back, you know, that's, if you can look, and again, I hate keep running up here, I'm going to get up breath. But if you look over here, this here is the golden gate. On this side here, that's the eastern wall. And when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to go through the golden gate. He's going through that gate. Right now, believe it or not, it's blocked up. And inside the gates, did you see this, Vanimans? It's a mosque. Muslims meet inside that gate. But John, it's not going to be that way forever because when Christ comes back, he's going right through. And he's going to march right to that temple mount, you know, and reestablish. It's going to be amazing. It's exciting. huh? However, David said this in Psalm 122. I was so glad when they said, let's go to the temple. Let's go to the house of the Lord. Now, for you and I, you know what that might equate to? Go ahead and flip that, Chuck, if you would. Look at this Bible verse, 1 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 15. Paul said this, but if I tarry long, he's writing, so that you might know how to obey, uh, uh, behave yourself in the house of God, which is the which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And so for us, we might say it this way, man, I was glad when they said, let's go to church. Three people said amen. I was glad when they said, let's go to church. Do you get glad when you get the opportunity to go to church? I hope we do. I hope it's still... I hope it's still something that, man, we just look forward to. I know as a pastor, we got a preacher back here sitting with us back here. I know we live, we live all week, at least I, I live all week for Sunday. I really do. When I, before I got saved, Blaze, I used to live for the weekend. You know, my theme was TGIF, thank God it's Friday. You know, but now, man, now I live, I live for Sunday. I can't wait for Sunday to come. I can't wait for Wednesday to come. See, I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. John, you get to work with you. You don't have to, right? You get to. And Dave, you get to sing in the choir. You don't have, Christy, you get to lead the choir. You don't have to. We get to. And I, I'm so concerned that, maybe not here, because I don't know you that well yet, but in a lot of places, they've lost the gladness. People aren't happy about getting to go to church. And you know, I'll tell you something about us Americans. Uh, there are places in the world where people can't go to church because there's no place to go to. You know? I, I, I picked this up one time, Bubby, uh, many, many years ago. I was listening to a veteran missionary in a missions conference, and he made this comment, and it just smote my heart. Here's what he said. He said, Americans are information rich but commitment poor. He followed it up by saying this, most third world countries are information poor, but commitment rich. And that's true. Wow, I hope our kids, see all our kids here tonight, I want them in this room because I want them to know that it's fun going to church. Huh? We don't have to fall asleep. The pastor doesn't have to put us to sleep. The pastor isn't somebody that I've never even shaken his hand because he's the pastor. No, man, we're in this together right? We, we ought to just, man, we can't wait to get to the church. I can't, my friends are there. My family's there. I'm going to learn about God, get a chance to worship God. I mean, it's going to be, I'm discouraged, but I'm going to go and get encouraged. Amen. I was glad he said when they said, let's go to church. I think if David was writing it today, that's maybe what it would say. 
He, might, he was, I was glad when they said, let's go to church. But then he said this. He said this, and he said a lot of things about Jerusalem, and I can't give you a history lesson on that. But, but he said in verse number 6, he, he mentions this about prayer. Do you see it? Notice, as they gather in Jerusalem, they're instructed to pray. Look at verse 6. He said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, you know this. Go ahead and flip, uh, Chuck, if you would. Because he goes from a place to a prayer. A prayer. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Isn't it true that whenever God's people gather, whether it's in a temple or synagogue or New Testament in church, there's always the presence of prayer, right? God's people should pray. Don't you agree? And I think in the day and age in which we live, we really need to make prayer more of a go-to, right? And there's so many, I mean, there's just so many things uh, for us to, to pray about and, and so many things for us to pray for. Uh, let me just remind us that prayer is simply asking God for his favor, God, place your favor upon my life. I'm recognizing the fact that I need you, and, man, I can't do anything without you. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it's a privilege to pray. And, of course, there's a number of things to pray for. But according to this text, according to this text, it's national prayer. Now, don't lose me right here. We've got to begin to pray for our nation again. America's in bad shape. Huh? And, and I know we can just say this, well, preacher, it's in, it's in God's hands, and whatever's going to be is going to be, but that's a pretty bad attitude. Because I still believe that God acts upon our prayers, don't you? I mean, why pray for your last lost loved ones, and why pray for if it's going to be, if it's going to be, if old grandma's going to get saved anyway, whether I pray or not? Huh? No, I, I do believe God acts upon our prayers. I mentioned this last week, how Moses prayed for the nation of Israel, and God said, had it not been for Moses standing in the breach, I'd have destroyed you. Huh? Do you remember Abraham bargaining with God? Right? Sodom, Gomorrah, Lot, and his, if there be a hundred righteous people, and he began to think to himself, oy vey. Got it all the way down to 10, if there be 10, and God said, okay, if I find 10 righteous people, you know what that means, Raj? It means our prayers make a difference. It means we can uh, petition God, unburden our heart in the presence of God, and ask God to do things that are above and beyond, things we can't do. And I believe this, as long as we're here, we're here on purpose, we can make a difference. Don't you believe that? But specifically, I want you to notice this because we're staying true to this text. He said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Every Thursday is my, my day for national prayer. You know what I do on Thursday? I pray. I pray every morning for my family, and, and then I, I have all your names now broken up specifically over different days. So I pray for, I got you different letters of the alphabet, right? And so on Monday, I pray for the A's to the C's or whatever it is. I don't know. But on Thursday, after I get through my general prayer that I pray for my family, I pray a national, I pray, for, I pray for our nation. And believe me when I tell you, I pray for our president. I don't have to like him or agree with him, but I'm commanded to pray for him according to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. And it'd be good to teach your children, pray for 
our national leaders. I pray for our president. I pray for his family. I pray for our, I pray for his cabinet. You know, all the states of, you know, Secretary of State and Secretary of this and that and the other. Right? Uh, I don't always have a good attitude when I'm praying for them. But I pray for them. I pray for our governor right here in the great state of New Jersey. You know, and when I was in Florida, I used to look up here and say, boy, I need to pray for them. You know, uh, but I pray for, for, for Governor uh, Murphy. And, and, and I'm not sure who won the election here in Williamstown, who our mayor is now, uh, but I'll, I'll get that on my list. And I pray for our state representatives. So here's what I do. I pray for the federal government, the state government, and the local government every Thursday. Do you? See, you have no right to complain if you're not praying. Huh? You, you have no right to complain about the price of gas or this or that or the other. Get on your face before God and say, Lord, there's got to be a reason why we're going through what we're going through. We need a breakthrough here. Maybe the people here in our nation needed to see what bad leadership really looks like. Help me. I pray for our military on Thursday, each branch of the military. Pray for our civil servants. I pray for the police, firefighters, Healthcare workers, EMS, you know, ambulance drivers and whatnot. Yeah. Why, why do I do that? Because I'm commanded to. Because I'm supposed to. Right? And believe it or not, I pray for the peace of Israel. Why? Because the Bible tells us this. Look at verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now notice the next, here's a promise, that they shall prosper that love thee. I don't know about you. Kids, look up here. I don't know about you, but I want God's blessing on my life. How about you? I want everything that God has for me. And, and here's, what I've, here's, here's what I've learned to do. Josh, I've learned to figure out how to get it. I knew when I was a kid, if I did certain things, it would make my dad happy and it would be easier for me to ask for things. So if I didn't put the trash out, I had a hard time on Thursday asking him for because I know what he was going to say. Did you put the trash out? No. So I try to figure out what can I do to get God's blessing on me. And one of the things he said is to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Why? Because there's a promise attached. Look what it says. They shall prosper that love thee. It's kind of like the Abrahamic covenant. You remember Abraham? Genesis chapter number 12, verse number 3, God's making a covenant with Abraham. And in verse number 3, here's what he said. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So you'd be a pretty foolish individual to get an attitude with Israel. You'd be a pretty foolish individual to get an attitude with the Jewish nation. Why? Because for whatever reason, and I can't tell you why, they are the apple of God's eye. Why? They weren't better than anybody. They weren't bigger or better than any other nation. They weren't holier, right? They weren't continual, uh, you know, consistently dedicated to him. They were all over the place. But God just chose them out of his own volition, and he loves them, right? And they... Bible says they're the apple of God's eye. In fact, Israel is the wife of God. The church is the bride of Christ. And so we need to, look here, you come up here. Uh, Brother James, I love you to death. I don't know you that well, but I love you. But if you come up here and constantly berate Mrs. Genizzi, we're going to have problems. 
I may not be able to beat you in a fight, but I'll get Tony on my side, and Tony will beat you in a fight. Right? You don't talk about somebody's wife. You don't talk about somebody's kids. Right? You can find yourself in a heap of trouble. And so I think it would behoove us to pray for the nation of Israel. And what do we pray? Well, it's real simple. According to this text, look at the Bible. We're to pray for their peace. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 7. Pray, pray that there be peace within thy walls and prosperity. So we're praying for peace, prosperity, and protection. And if you've ever been there, you know, man, I tell you what, they are in an unbelievable area, surrounded by some real difficult peoples. We were up in the Golan Heights, Mrs. Zanizzi and I, and, and you're really right on the, side, the other side of Jordan. I mean, you can kind of throw a baseball and hit Jordan. And as we were there, right, we heard all kinds of gunfire. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. But you know, when we were there, maybe you felt the same way, Brother Elwood, that I never felt, never one moment that I ever f- kind of feel frightened. Just felt protected for some reason. Israel has the, I mean, they're, their military is top-notch. And we felt very protected in that real crazy place. But we're to pray for them. And so here you find this. You find the psalmist David composing a psalm to be recited as the Israelites journeyed to Jerusalem. They were headed toward a place. And when they got there, they began to pray. And it leads to, in verse number 7, 8, and 9, a time of rejoicing. Look what he says. He says, peace, verse 7, peace be be, be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. You know, I think the average person, let let me say it this way. The average normal person desires peace. Right? Huh? I mean, if you're normal, most of us want peace. Uh, we, we want to live peaceful lives. We want to have peace of mind. Right? And you know, I'm talking about these things, they don't come easy. Not everybody has a peaceful life, and not everybody has peace of mind. Uh, we desire world peace. We know that's not, never going to happen. We work at having peace in our churches. And I think, I think, I think Open Bible is a pretty peaceful place. Yes? No? Don't tell me any different, please. I've only been here a couple weeks. Don't tell me any different. But I think this, I think we need to understand what peace really is. Now, are you with me? I'm coming around third. Sometimes I think we get this facade about what peace is. Would you flip the definition up there that I put up here? I'm not sure if you can see this, and I'll read it. It says this, biblical peace is more than just the absence of conflict or a state of rest. And so, sometimes we might say this, man, as long as I'm not, you know, having conflict with anybody, I'm peaceful. That's not biblical peace. Biblical peace, something above and beyond, it means completeness or wholeness. Now, get this last statement. And it points to the presence of something else. Huh? Look here. There's no way in the world I can create peace or give you peace. We might be peaceful with each other, but I can't create peace in your life. Why? Because peace is the presence of something else. I would say it this way. Peace is the presence of someone else. 
someone else. I love Isaiah 9. I preached a lot, Tony, during Christmas, you know. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Right? Speaks about his deity and, you know, his humanity all in one. And then it goes on and it says, and, and it begins to list him, gives, gives him names, right? His name shall be called, you know, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And the very last name is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And even though you and I might strive to, you know, be peaceful and be peacemakers, and we ought to, and we ought to pray for the peace of our nation and the peace of Israel, peace in our church, the idea is simply this. We know at the core there's got to be the presence of the Lord for there to be any peace. Are you with me? And that means this, and I can get real deep with this and become a therapist right now. Because I think every once in a while, pastors are therapists and services are therapeutic. Church services are. I remember the lady used to say down there at uh, uh, your good, 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 good friend, Nettie, used to say Wednesday night services were her therapy session. She'd come to church on Wednesday night and feel like she's been to a therapist, you know. Uh, But I think this, I think no matter what you're going through right now, if you put, if you if you, if you just put the whole ball of your life upon the shoulders of the Prince of Peace, let him be your governor. Let him govern your life. I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, you'll be a lot better than trying to bear that load on your own. Huh? Peace. And we should pray for peace, but what a journey. Don't you, did you see the journey there? And so the psalmist goes from trouble, Psalm 120, Psalm 120, from trouble, he's in, he's in look at it again, and I'll, I'll finish. Look at verse, uh, verse number one, I'm in Psalm 120. In my distress, I cried until he heard me. You see it? Verse one, Psalm 120. In verse one of uh, Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. So he goes from trouble to trusting, right? And then, of course, he's praising God in, in Psalm 122. He's rejoicing. In the, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. So from problems to peace. You know, that's just the way life is. And knowing the Lord, trusting the Lord changes everything. Changes everything. But I want to leave you with a thought that I picked up from a song. Did you ever sing the song, Is Your All on the Altar of Sacrifice Laid? Listen to these words. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Did you hear that? You know, there's more doctrine in some of those hymns than there are being, that, that is being preached from some of our pulpits. He said this. He said, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. Now listen, you can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. So you know what that means? It means this. It means the psalmist was trying to encourage the Israelites to get real about what they said they believed. Because life is going to challenge us to see whether or not 
whether or not our faith will stand the test. Preach about that on Sunday morning. If you have a faith that can't be tested, you have a faith that can't be trusted. Isn't that right? And so we need to focus our attention on him. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? That's a great question, isn't it? Let's bow together for prayer. There might be one or two or a few here tonight that you just you're just going through a time. I mean, it's just it's just your it's just your time. Assigned affliction, right? We talked about that on Sunday. Appointed affliction. It just comes with the territory. And right now I'm going through it. It seems, Pastor, it seems like I've been going through it for a long time. I know. I know it's just the way it is sometimes. But you got to believe Jesus loves you. He knows the depth of your need, and he's there if you just call out, if you just cry out, if you just, if you just let him be, once again, the Lord of your life. If you'll just yield your body and soul. Our heads are bowed, no one's looking about. Maybe tonight you just pray in your heart right now, oh God, hear my prayer. In my distress, I cry unto you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, Lord. And I want to be able to stand and rejoice I want to be able to give a testimony of how good you've been to me. Father, bless your people. Strengthen our faith. Increase our faith. Increase our knowledge of you. Help us to walk close to you. Give us a good end to the week. I pray for those who are going through some difficult times that you would just uh, help them to realize that you can't get any closer to them than you are. They need to get closer to you. Draw them closer and bless them, encourage them, lift their, their burdens as they place the, just the burden of their life upon the shoulders of the Prince of Peace. We pray in Jesus' name, and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.